0: I'm Brian Nielsen with Caldwell County Ranch in Lockhart, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Terry Martin.
2: Hello Texas, we have got another week rolling and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've gotta do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're gonna take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Farm Bill was a big topic of discussion at last week's Commodity Classic in Orlando. I was there and I ran into several Texas farmers, as well as one Texas ag policy expert. And we'll tell you what they have to say about the ongoing Farm Bill debate coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande
3: Valley. There's a big change coming concerning the use of antibiotics to treat cattle. I'm James Hunt and we'll hear what one Texas High Plains expert has to say on Texas Ag Today.
4: Concho Valley cotton farmers in West Texas are optimistic for the upcoming season with new technology available and the hope for timely rainfall. I'm Tom Nicoletti. I'll have a report from San Angelo on Texas Ag Today.
5: March 2023 in Central Texas looks favorable for agriculture producers. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco.
2: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The 2023 Farm Bill was a big topic of discussion at last week's Commodity Classic in Orlando. While there, I caught up with Dalhart farmer Robert Gordon, who's currently chairman of the Texas Corn Producers Board.
6: I guess the main thing on the Farm Bill is we need to protect our crop insurance. That's probably number one. There needs to be a lot of discussion on the Title I and the Farm Bill. It hasn't worked like we thought it would. When you have to go in and do ad hoc disasters over the years, We need to get a a program set up to where we don't have to do that every year. Have something that works for everybody. You know, of course, we need to, you know, you want to try to keep food as cheap as we can, but we still have to make a living. Our costs are going up tremendously, just like everybody else's.
2: That was also the opinion of Tulia area farmer, Eddie Womack. He sits on the board of directors for Texas wheat producers. He says there's a big need right now to strengthen the farm safety net programs like ARC and PLC.
0: It's super important right now. Our target price is pretty close to $4 and you know, the market now is $8 and all of our expenses have increased. So what we're trying to do is get that price moved up. And then also as we go forward into the farm bill, that it steps up. as we go through the years as well.
2: And those input costs show no sign of a relief anytime soon.
0: Well, diesel prices eased up a little bit, like our fertilizer still are, is still high. You know, seed costs is outrageous. You know, things that just like everybody else in the United States is suffering from this, you know, our, our prices have probably increased 20, 25 percent.
2: So will these things get addressed in the new farm bill? I ran into one of the nation's premier ag policy specialists at the Commodity Classic, Dr. Joe Outlaw, with the Agriculture and food Policy Center at Texas A&M. He says it all comes down to the budget.
3: Honestly, I think that we're we're kind of waiting. We're waiting to see if they have any success getting any additional funds for this farm bill. If we don't get additional funds, everything that everybody wants to make the, the bill better is going to cost some money. So really, I'm waiting to see what's the budget outlook for the farm bill. And I think we'll know more by the summer.
2: And Dr. Outlaw isn't very optimistic that we can get anything done with the September deadline looming to pass the bill.
3: In terms of getting the bill done, I've said it a couple of times around the country that I think it's going to be really hard to get it done this year. I don't want to hurt people's feelings because they're working real hard. But the fact of the matter is there's a lot of things going on, and unless there's a really nice window to kind of push it through, I don't see it happening this year.
2: Dr. Joe Outlaw with the Agriculture and Food Policy Center at Texas A&M. A big change is coming for those in the cattle business. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo.
3: Coming up on June 11th, some new rules are going into effect regarding the use of antibiotics to treat cattle. Antibiotics that have been deemed medically important to human health care will no longer be available to livestock producers over the counter. If you're in the cattle business, you'll need a prescription. I asked Jason Smith of Texas A&M AgriLife how ready cattle raisers in the Texas High Plains are for this rule change.
0: I think there are some producers that are well prepared for that and there are some producers that are not well enough prepared for that. And I think that distinguishing factor is whether or not that producer or operation already has a valid veterinarian client-patient relationship in place. Those that already have that relationship in place, they're going to be prepared for these changes. Those that do not have that relationship in place, those are going to be the producers that are not prepared and, and potentially going to experience some issues or have at least some delayed access to antibiotics or some of the therapeutical treatments that they may need for animals once those regulatory changes go into effect.
3: Dr. Smith says don't wait until the last minute to get things going with a vet.
0: It doesn't need to be an emergency call to have a veterinarian come out to the operation invite them out on a day you're working cattle, invite them out on a day where they're not busy and you're not busy. Use that as a means of establishing the relationship so that after those changes go into effect, you're ready to go and it can be a seamless transition.
3: Once again, that's some advice from Texas A&M AgriLife beef cattle specialist, Dr. Jason Smith. And to say it again, the rule changes go into effect on June 11th. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Concho Valley cotton farmers are optimistic about the upcoming cotton season. Tom Nicoletti tells us there are a lot of new technologies on the horizon for cotton growers.
4: I'm reporting from San Angelo today at a Delta Pine Cotton College where about 80 farmers from the southern rolling plains gathered to hear a number of presentations about the future of cotton and the present uh, cotton technology that is available to them as uh, they look forward to the 2023 growing season. And my guest here is Eric Best. He is a Bear Cotton Portfolio Lead. He is uh, based in Lubbock. And uh, Eric, summarize for me uh, what you uh, told the producers as uh, they look forward to this next growing season.
6: Well, first of all, we hope open range right we've had two pretty extreme years going from 21 to 22 but optimism is there you know, a lot of growers really excited about some of the new stuff coming uh, we got to share a little bit about the class of 23 we've got to talk a little bit about thrive on and we got to talk a little bit about the pipeline about what's coming behind it so lots of fun things coming in cotton lots of exciting things especially for like you mentioned these growers in, in this west texas and this control valley and san angelo area so it's good to get their feedback and you know and provide some some insights on what we're doing kind of behind the scenes and certainly uh, market volatility, the weather conditions uh, play a big role in what the
4: cotton farmers decide to do.
6: Absolutely. You know, when you get in some of these areas where a high percentage of those acres are dry land, lower percentages and or, you know, where water is or isn't, you know, it, on those irrigated acres, you know, and there's a good mix of that here. A lot of times we don't get a lot of rain, but sometimes that timely rain, especially on dry land, can be a pretty good moneymaker. And obviously it helps with, uh, with stand establishment and everything else. So we're kind of behind normal. You know, there's hope for some change and some, and some systems setting up to change for a little bit differently. But, you know, these growers are here pretty resilient. The, the neat thing about the area we're in here is there aren't a lot of other crops, so cotton acres are fairly stable. That is Eric Best.
4: He's Bayer a Crop Portfolio Lead here in San Angelo. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: The 2023 crop season looks favorable for farmers and ranchers in Central Texas. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco.
5: With crop conditions being as they are in early March of 2023, things do look positive for agriculture producers right now. Of course, that can change after one weather event or a worldwide event. So fingers are crossed that we stay on the good side of things here in Central Texas. Corn that was recently planted is taking about 10 days to emerge. And honestly, we have a lot of good stands of corn here in the Central Texas Blackland region. Corn and grain sorghum were planted in McLennan County, uh, are emerging and look good. Our neighbors to the south have have planted. They're just a little bit ahead of us about a week ahead. And to the north, they're getting started planting corn as they are typically 10 days to two weeks later in planting than we are here in McLennan County. We know fields look very good after what was a sketchy start early in the small grain growing season. We have had good enough weather, timely rains to promote good small grain growth. And the weather has been somewhat overcast for a good period of the growing season so far, but the recent warm sunny days uh, coupled with the moisture that we received just have have set up our wheat notes for a good season the annual small grain field day will be held april 20th we'll start at the mclennan county extension plots with our cooperator kevin huffman hosting that in his wheat field there off of smith road smith road is in between waco and mcgregor and we're going to start in our wheat plots go through those uh, look at the varieties look at the insect disease packages they they have as far as yield potential also um, dr nolan will lead that tour uh, we're also going to have topics of commodity market updates, hessian fly their impact on wheat in our area, and we'll we'll finish that with our annual steak tip meal. Uh, you can call the McLennan County Extension Office for more details about that program. Uh, livestock pastures in Central Texas have greened up and are offering some grazing with those cool season annuals, ryegrass that are out there. Livestock haven't stopped eating hay. They're still hitting hay, and they will continue to do so until our grass offers enough grazing where they can just get off the hay. Warm season forages are emerging and will continue to grow unless we have a killing frost. Now, there are some forecast models out there that are predicting some cooler weather here in Central Texas in March. We just have to be kind of aware and watch that, that local weather for your own accurate weather forecast for you. Uh, hoping that we stay warm and we stay on that, that uh, good side of spring, which is right around the corner. This is Dr. Shane McClellan from Waco with Texas Ag Today.
7: A new study gives us additional details on the amount of damages that feral hogs cause each year. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And we have the first case of equine herpes virus in Texas for this year. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
1: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The first case of equine
2: herpes virus for this year has popped up in Hood County, Texas. Dr. Bob Judd says this can be a deadly horse disease.
8: The neurological form of equine herpes virus is a serious problem in horses as it is contagious to other horses and can be deadly. There are multiple equine herpes viruses, and equine herpes virus 1 is the virus that causes the neurological form of the disease, but can also cause respiratory disease and abortion. Vaccinations are approved for the respiratory and abortion form of the disease, but there's no vaccination approved for the neurological form. Equine herpes virus commonly occurs at large horse shows, likely due to exposure to other horses and the stress of hauling to the horse show and the environment. And this is the case in this horse, infected in Hood County near Granbury, as the infected horse had just returned from the National Western Stock Show in Denver that occurred in late January of this year. Equine herpes is such a concern because it tends to occur after exposure at large horse shows where a large number of horses are potentially exposed. The horse in Hood County has been quarantined and is being treated by a local veterinarian. Usually the first symptom in horses with equine herpes virus is a temperature over 102 degrees Fahrenheit. So if your horse was at the Denver show, it is important to check your horse's temperature twice a day for 14 days. Also, when you return from any show, sterilize your tack and trailer and keep the show horses separate from the rest of your herd for three weeks to make sure they don't develop a disease. Symptoms of equine herpes virus myeloencephalopathy include fever, nasal discharge, incoordination of the hind limbs, and sometimes a head tilt. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: A new study gives us additional details on the amount of damages that feral hogs cause each year. Jessica Domel takes a look at the study in today's Wildlife Report.
7: A new study gives us a better idea of just how damaging feral hogs can be. Feral hogs, sometimes called wild pigs, root up crops and pastures damage golf courses and cemeteries and can contaminate water sources when wallowing in them. To get a better idea of how much economic damage the feral swine cause each year, the Arkansas Forest Resources Center led a multi-state survey of 4,500 landowners to gauge economic damage to croplands, forest lands, pastures, and livestock in Arkansas, Louisiana, and East Texas. The survey was designed to serve as a baseline for feral swine damage assessments and will hopefully help guide feral swine management practices. The survey, which started in 2021 and was recently published, reveals feral hogs cause an estimated $12 an acre in damage to forest and timberland in East Texas and $17 an acre in damages in Arkansas and Louisiana. Owners of cropland in East Texas lost about $25 an acre over the last five years to feral hogs. That's slightly lower than the $28 an acre in losses that landowners saw in Arkansas and Louisiana. The average pastureland damage for all three states is estimated, at $11 an acre most landowners surveyed noted that the feral hogs rooting and grubbing and wallowing are what caused the majority of the damages. That's not surprising as rooting and grubbing is how feral hogs search for food. The study notes that feral hogs are capable of killing young calves and vulnerable adult animals during their birthing process. They can also eat or contaminate livestock or wildlife feed, mineral supplements, and water sources. Feral swine also compete with native wildlife for habitat and resources. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Duhlman.
2: It was a down day for the cattle market to kick off the week Monday, but the cotton market took a big jump higher. We'll check out all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
6: COVERAGE AND DISCOUNTS ARE SUBJECT TO QUALIFICATIONS AND POLICY TERMS AND MAY VARY BY SITUATION.
1: WE'RE GIVING YOU THE MARKET INFORMATION YOU NEED ON TEXAS AG TODAY. The cattle market got off to a lower start
2: on Monday. We traded lower throughout the day. We were in triple-digit losses for much of the day. We gained back some of that on the close, but we still ended up lower for the day with April live cattle down 72 cents, 163.55. The June down 45 at 158.20, while August live cattle were down 32 cents at 158.12. Feeder cattle finished lower also. March feeders down 65 one ninety eighty two, the April contract down fifty seven. One ninety seven o seven with May feeder cattle down a dollar seventeen, closing at two o two forty. Cash fed cattle market quiet as we usually see on a Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle here in the South in a range of one sixty three to mostly one sixty five. That is fully steady with the previous week's trade. Boxed beef prices mixed on Monday Choice down 33 cents, 284 dollars Select down $1.45 at $272.99. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
0: Let's get started with Joshua Garcia, Carn City Auction LLC. Sells them every Saturday. Josh had it go last week. Had a good, good run, a four hundred head of cattle, 162 sheep and goats. Walk the pens
5: with us, Joshua.
9: Uh, we ended up with 99 sellers and 54 buyers. On the Packer Cows and Bulls, number one cows, 90 to a dollar. Number two cows, 40 to 89 bulls, 90 to, uh, we had one good bull bring $125. That was a pretty good ticket on him. Stalker Cows, uh, bread cows, $725 to $1,025. Pairs, $1,100 to $1,125. Uh, on the steered heifer end of thanks steers, 2 to 3 weights, $190 to 265, dollars 3 to 4 is $2 to 255, dollars 4 to 5, $202 to 235, dollars 5 to 6, 5 to 6 weights. Two dollars to two twenty-five. Six to sevens. One eighty-five to two hundred nine. Seven hundred plus pound steers. One sixty-two to one seventy-five. On the heifer end of things. One seventy-seven to two twenty-six. Three to fours. One eighty-three to two twenty-five. Four to fives. One seventy-nine to two twenty. Five to sixes. One seventy-eight to two fourteen. Six to seven hundred pound heifers. One fifty-six to one ninety. Seven hundred plus pound heifers. One thirty-two to one sixty. Now, what do we got coming for this week's sale? Well, this week, I got about 75 heads already in so far, so I imagine we'll have that good, I'm guessing, probably 450, give or take, maybe 500. Uh, Going to have another 30 or 40 of them good, fresh, longhorn ropers. They'll be here tomorrow. I'll put a video <laughs> on Facebook of them. Uh, also, we want to remind everyone, March the 25th, we will have, uh, it'll be our spring best of the best replacement bull and female sale, where we'll have 200 females and about 8 to 10 bulls. So y'all be looking. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. <laughs> mobile 361-649-3578 or the office phone at
0: 830-780-3382. Well, neighbor, there's your livestock auction report. We'll see
2: you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished lower on Monday. April hogs dropped $1.22 to close at eighty six twenty two. May hogs down 35, 94, 57. Class three milk was higher. March milk up 8 cents, 17.79 79, 100 weight. The April contract up 12 at 17.82 100. The cotton market had a big jump higher on Monday. We have a lot of nervousness in the financial markets right now with the bank shutdowns over the last few days. That has some traders thinking that the Fed may hold off on raising interest rates. That caused the dollar to move lower, so both of those developments very positive for the cotton market. May cotton limit up 300 points to close at 8118 July cotton up 271 at 81.65, while new crop December cotton was up 201, closing at 82.26. Not much movement in the corn market. We closed slightly lower. May corn down three and three quarters, 613 and a half. New crop September corn down one and three quarters, 563 and three quarters. The lower dollar did help the wheat markets a bit, both hard and soft wheat finishing higher. July Kansas City wheat was up three quarters to close at 789 and three quarters July Chicago wheat up five and a half 695 and a half in the energy markets April natural gas up 19 cents Monday at 262 April West Texas crude down 226 at 74.42 a barrel the financial markets were mixed Monday afternoon the Dow down 90 points at 31819. The NASDAQ up 49, 11,188. The S&P down five, 3,855. That wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture.
1: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts.